1: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. We got the Sacramento Kings and the Memphis
2: Grizzlies tonight at 730 uh, at the Golden yeah. One Center. Uh, James, a couple of things uh, worth diving into here uh, as we look back at some of the games over the weekend. We had just mentioned before uh, the commercial break, to met a part of shoot around uh, questionable for tonight's game I thought Rashawn Holmes had an immediate impact uh, when he came into the game and, and I think there's something to be said for Rashawn who had that big outing with Domas out a couple of games earlier didn't play against Oklahoma City on Friday night got the call in a game he probably wasn't going to get the call in when he meant to went down and stepped in and brought that energy and had an immediate impact.
3: Yeah, and I'll tell you this too. Uh, we waited around for for Domas late after the game, and he said that the team was pretty shook by the Chemezi situation, mm. um, and that's when they felt like they they allowed, uh, they allowed themselves to like let up a little bit because they were like there was a lot going on. It was chaotic, and uh, that's again where they lost their lead, and they allowed lead to be built against them. And so they were, they he wasn't using it as an excuse, but he was also saying like, look, one of our guys goes down with a non-contact knee injury. We all know what that usually means. We are all, you know, we know sports. We know how much pain he was in. There was a lot of concern, and just mental focus shifted for a sec the wrong way, and they gave up, you know, too many points in the third quarter. They they let they got uh, kind of run over, and so I, I thought that was interesting. Rashawn is. You know, he just continues to be a pro. Like, I, I fully, when he uh, he talked after what the Lakers win, right, and he started to get emotional in postgame, mm-hmm. um, I thought that that was, like, a really, really interesting moment. Um, he's a guy who's always worn his heart on his sleeve on the on the court, and then when you see him, like, sort of understand what it means to get out there and play, but not only that, he talked so glowingly about Sabonis, and he understands like how good Sabonis is and how much he means to the team and how you can't be jealous. You have to be a good teammate and just understand that you're a different player than he is. You're a different style of player. And so, yeah, I, I think he'll probably get like a little run here uh, with the opportunity to, to play with, because I don't think Mezzi will play tonight. M- maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he does. But I think that they're probably going to take a little bit more of a cautious brooch to him. Hmm. Um, and, and then so I, I think it'll open the door. It'll open the door a little bit. Hey, that,
4: that kind of brings up something that um, I wanted to ask you, James. Is when you talk about Sabonis' reaction and Rashawn's, um, you know, comments about Sabonis and things of that nature? Is this the closest team that you covered? Closest Kings team? Like they seem like they seem like they're like really together and they really enjoy each other. Is this the closest team you've, you've covered?
3: You know it's it's funny that you ask that because I'll tell you that the age of COVID has changed everything within the locker room. So normally like we talked about this before, it's really hard to get a gauge on a team when you aren't there inside seeing, you know, what's happening in pre-game and stuff like that. Like I mm. like when it's a bunch of 20-year-olds 20 and 21, 22-year-olds and they're all messing with each other the whole time. Like this team has had moments when they're they've been very close. But at this point, we get to see them after practice, and we get to see them, you know, sort of doing their drills, and they do seem like a very tight group. But I think when you like again, the locker room is a different place, and since COVID, you know, we were locked out of the locker room for like two years. We're back in now, um, but it's different now. There there might be one or two guys in there at a time, and that's if there's anyone. Sometimes it's just Alex Len sitting there on his phone. Um, sometimes Casey <laughs> Akpala comes in. They also they at 6, 5, at six ten. So we're allowed in between five forty five and six fifteen into the locker room uh, in pregame, and even in postgame. And in postgame, we walk in the locker room. There's no one there. Like we have to wait forty five minutes for someone to come. Uh, Back from getting treatment into the locker room, and then they go take a shower, and then they come back in and they talk to us. Mm -hmm. So we might get two guys. It's not like what it used to be, where we're like literally around these guys all the time. Uh, So, yeah, I think they are close from what I've seen, like as far as, you know, during practices and the way that they talk about each other, the way that, you know, it's very, uh, it's a very like close knit group, I would think. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also think that having, a bunch of guys who are 24, 25, 26. Uh, you got a handful of guys on this team that have either babies or babies on the way. Um, that's something else I'll say. Like the assistant coaches on this team, it's like every single one of them has two or three kids. <laughs> it's the cutest thing. You walk into pregame and there are little two and three and four-year-olds everywhere. <laughs> so this team has a family feel that's mm-hmm. totally different than anything I've covered, especially like when I talk about how I I just think Luke made a huge mistake early in his coaching career at well with the Kings when he was with the Lakers, he got lambasted for having too many close friends on his coaching staff. So when he got to Sacramento, um, number one, they wouldn't let him pay for Brian Shaw at the time. And so he had to hire a different assistant lead assistant. Um, but the group was a bunch of people who did not know each other and you felt it the whole time. This group here, I mean, you could see all of these people having like family play dates and stuff because all of them have kids that are the same age. They're all, and it really when you're going through similar things in life, it you kind of get tighter. You you glob onto each other. Your wives hang out together, and so yeah, I I think this is a pretty close group overall. Mm
2: -hmm. Uh, Before we get into some of the games over the weekend, particularly Saturdays, um, the trade today: Rui Hachimura. Uh, with the with the Los Angeles Lakers from the Wizards to the Lakers, there were reports early, early, early this morning that perhaps that might be something Sacramento was involved in before the deal with the Lakers was ultimately done. Did you hear anything about that over the course of the last day or so?
3: Yeah, I don't know who reported that um, this morning,
2: but I will tell you it that was very generically referenced to hoops hype. Oh, there was no. It was not referenced to any specific reporter. It was according to Hoops Hype.
3: Okay, well, I will tell you that I heard on Friday night that they had called on him, Mm -hmm. um, on Rui, but it hadn't gone anywhere. Mm -hmm. And so, like, whether they're in on it or not, like, look, I think that this team is going to be active. They're going to be aggressive going out and looking for players. (laughs) Rui is another guy who's 24 years old, right, who fits right into their age group. But is he the right fit? And how much money is he going to want this summer? And you've already had some of those cursory talks. Like you, you at least know what his agent is looking for. So it's a it's a lot different. Like we're we're hearing that Jakapertel wants uh, like twenty million a year to start, right? Mm. Like going next year. So when you match that with the Spurs asking for at least one, but probably two first round picks to get him for a rental. You're like, okay, yeah, I'm not even going to go close to that. But we hear this all the time. Like Rashawn Holmes' agent wanted $20 bucks a year, and he ended up with you know, a four-year $44 million deal or $47 million deal. So what they want, what they're saying they're going to get, all that stuff. Dante DiVincenzo allegedly had a mid-level exception deal on the table like he, they knew that would be the minimum he would get, and he took a two-year, eight-million-dollar deal with the the Lakers. He didn't even get one year at ten. Mm-hmm. So I mean, not with the Lakers, with the Warriors. So again, like you have to, you have to do your homework on these guys. Rui's a guy who's had some personality uh, situations off the court. Like he's he's had to take time away. He's not a great defender. He is a physical player. I like his game. And I think he probably would have been a really nice addition because he's a 3-4 that could have added to the depth of this team. And the cost of three second-round picks, like, who cares? The Kings have they have five additional second-round picks between now and 2028. So I think we, me and Brendan were doing the math. I think they have 11 second-round picks between theirs and other people's between now and uh, 2029. And so they have plenty of ammo to go out and get him. They even have plenty of players that make around what Rui makes and could have made a straight swap. They've got trade exceptions that might have been able to work. Like There's a lot of things that the Kings could have done in this situation Mm -hmm. if they really, really wanted Rui. Um, I just think that at the end of the day, you have to look at all of these pieces and like how much is he going to want as an extension and what does he think he's worth can you come to some sort of common ground? Is he going to be okay coming off the bench? There's so many different avenues that you have to look at. And do you already have something in mind that's better mm-hmm. than this or that's different than this? And and I think that that's probably where we're at.
4: And and with somebody like Rui, who I like as a ball player, I think, I think he can go. Um, you got to ask yourself, is this what I want to spend my capital on? And maybe they looked at it. I, we don't know how serious they were, or deep they were into the negotiations, but maybe they looked at it and they saw that price, you know, kind of what the Lakers paid for, and they're like, ah, you know, I think I may I might want to shop elsewhere. I don't know. This is this is all I have. I don't have unlimited resources like OKC or Utah. I got enough resources. I, I know we kind of talked about it before, James, but you know, something like that. I got I got enough resources for one maybe two deals I don't know if I want to do it on, on Rui you know I think maybe maybe I'll keep my, my resources and still try and see uh what, what's out there for me to get um, closer to the deadline
3: yeah I, I totally agree with you I mean that that very well could have been the issue mm-hmm. I mean but we're looking at a guy who again 48 57 42 and 30 games in his career mm-hmm. he misses a lot of time um and he like if you are a team that you want to be good now mm-hmm. it, he might not have been the player that you thought would make you good now and and I also add this too i heard that uh and it wasn't an inside sac- like inside the kings franchise source it was an outside source mm. and so like my job was to go and and do more research on it i didn't think that it was going to happen this weekend that he gets traded or this morning that he would get traded Mm -hmm. um so i mean like i don't know what the leg work is and i'll I'll look into seeing how close they were um or how much they kicked the tires all i had heard was that like yeah they they had made a call Mm. um but that doesn't mean anything i mean if the kings didn't make a call then that would be negligent like you at least have to kick the tires and see what's out there and and you know, again, maybe you're right. Maybe three second-round picks was too rich. And they're like, eh, that's really not what we're looking to do. Um, and is he
2: a long-term fit? Hmm. What stood out to you most on Saturday? Hmm.
3: Um, they got their butts kicked on the boards. Mm-hmm. I thought that that stood out. Uh, the defense was was not great. Um. Overall, though, I thought, like, the Kings were on the second night of a back-to-back, and I thought in the the late third quarter and early fourth quarter, where I <clears> looked <throat> at the team and saw that they had no legs. I, I thought Sabonis had no legs. So, but when I I go back and I hear Sabonis say, "Hey, we were distracted," it makes sense because we had that moment where was it Sabonis and Trey Lyles missed uh, mm-hmm. four straight free throws. Yeah that showed me that either they didn't have legs or, again, they were distracted. They were concerned about their their dude who had just went down. Um, So there was that moment from the end of the third and the start of the fourth where I thought you saw something was off or that they had just flat-out ran out of gas. Hmm. And then I saw them recover and battle, and I was like, okay, this is interesting. At least it's fun. I I mean, the final play, I I didn't... (laughs) The two-minute report said that Sabonis fouled Montrez Harrell on the last play of the game.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, like, come on now, like that's a it's a free for all. That ball almost got that almost went in, and then it would have been a totally different story. You would have had a team playing on the second night of back to back going to overtime and seeing if you got the legs to fight through it. Um, again, look at all the players for Philadelphia that fouled out or that were on the verge of fouling out. Tobias Harris fouls out. You know, uh, P.J. Tucker was in foul trouble the whole night. Like, I thought the Kings were the aggressors for a good portion of the game. It's not at the end of the day. I, I don't care if Embiid and, and James Harden aren't there. That's That team is really good either way. They still have, well coached, you know, two like, seed right there. yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a really, really good team, just like the team that they're going to face tonight. If Jaw and Steven Adams aren't there, I think that's mm-hmm. a little different because those are the motors that make that team run. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean Desmond Bain can't light you up for 45 or something. Like, I
2: believe he's done that.
3: Yeah. Yeah. That Seriously. It's a talented team. And not only that, but look at how that team is built completely. It, we can go back to OKC game. OKC gave the Kings a run for their money because they don't stop. They play an entire 48 minutes. They make you play every single second in the final 90 seconds. Oh. Like, you're going to get fouled, you're going to go to the line, you have to execute, you have to be in the moment, or they will find a way to beat you. Well, that's the Memphis Gri- Grizzlies in a nutshell. That's what Taylor Jenkins established with this team, like, three years ago, mm-hmm. and now we're seeing, like, the grown-up version of it, and it's impressive. Like, this team doesn't stop, and they, they have a next-man-up mentality, and they got a bunch of guys that every team in the league goes, hmm, man, I wouldn't mind having that guy. Yeah. Deep, deep on my bench, Zyra Williams. Like, mm-hmm. all right, look at that. That's another guy I'd like to have on my team. Like, they have all these players
2: that you're like, hmm, all right, I'm I'm kind of down with that guy. Yeah. Simona's absolutely committed a foul on that last. play. I thought he did. too. He absolutely <laughs> did. He like hooked it. Hey, it was yeah, I thought it was strategic. It was, yeah. it, was it was sneaky. It was one that she could get yeah. away with. <laughs> Obviously, he got away with it. But he absolutely did it. He knows I he did thought, it. I we all know he so. did it. But you
4: know the the funny thing about Saturday as well, and I don't remember the last time. I felt this, you know, when things were, like, really close towards the end or Harrison Barnes at the free-throw line. I was like, just get to overtime. They'll, they'll mm. pull this out. Don't mm. get the win. Just get to overtime. Find a way to get to overtime, and I think you'll pull this one out. Obviously, they weren't able to, but, um, you know, it goes back to where this team is and, and how we kind of changed our views of this team. At least maybe I have. Like, I feel like that's a team. While, while they didn't win, you know, I wanted them to win uh, – frustrating that they didn't they didn't win I think this is a team that can play teams especially at home even though the record is kind of you know closer to 500 than we'd like to believe they can play teams like that and get in a situation where if it's close I think they're gonna pull it out maybe some of that has to do a lot of that has to do with the way De'Aaron Fox plays in the fourth quarter but I always feel like in a close game they always have the ammunition to to pull out a close game
3: I'll say this too like the one other thing that stood out was Harrison Barnes looked like he looks like he's never going to miss again. Like when wow. he's shooting the three ball, wow. it it looks like it's going in every single time, and most of the time it looks like it's <laughs> not even going to touch the net. I mean, like he is he is yeah. on uh, like yeah. in the month of January shooting fifty one point four percent from three on six point seven attempts per game. And then the other thing is once again we had a moment where De'Aaron Fox. Who was really good in the fourth? Who uh, what do you have? Like fourteen points in the fourth, mm-hmm. I think.
0: But Four he assists, set yeah.
3: up Keegan Murray for that beautiful mm-hmm. three-point nice. shot. That again, him showing faith in someone that you might not in that situation show faith in, and Keegan coming through with a big bucket too. Yeah, yeah. I only chuckled because you're right. Harrison is
4: lighting it up. That boy's cooking. That damn shot that would have put him up by three. That miss! Oh, the free throw. No! Oh, the three. Oh, yeah, yeah. Did that hit rim? I don't think it hit the rim. The one where he's at the top of the key, and they kicked it out. There was down two, but like under a minute to go, Harrison shoots the three at the top of the, at the
2: at the top. I don't think it did. Yeah. It remind me of Kevin Herter's shot on Friday. <laughs> <I> <laughs> Kevin Herter missed his shot like, oh, on Friday no. by like four feet. <laughs> to your yeah.
4: point, though, James, I thought. Oh, this, I put my threes up yep. in the air in Mastro's. Yep. I was like, "I oh, it's going in. And no. he missed it by the feet. Yeah. I feel confident in this shot is the point, though.
2: He's having a, just, just a stellar, stellar run. Mike Brown mentioned Malik Monk in the press conference and addressing Malik's struggles for the first time. And we had a conversation about what that might look like because you can't. DNP, CD, Malik Monk. You don't have other alternatives. You need to find a way to gas up Malik Monk or 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 or, or go Phil Jackson and get him in the Zen or or, or whatever it Read is. This book. You, you yes yeah, something. Have him tweet. Do do whatever you got to do. But the, the the underlying point of our discussion is Malik's not a guy that you could take in and out of this lineup. Like we've seen his minutes fluctuate a little bit, but you don't you don't not play malik he's really close to being unplayable though no, no.
3: unplayable james absolutely okay not. so so here's the they stats they just won seven here's in a row. here's the Six stats over his last 22 games mm-hmm. 22 games mm-hmm. malik monk is averaging 11.6 points 3.4 assists two turnovers he's shooting 35.9% from the field and 25% from 3 That is almost
2: So what what are you going to do? You're going to put Terrence Davis in there and say, Terrence, you're our guy now. I I, I know we benched you. We didn't believe in you, but now we don't believe in Malik, so now we believe in you.
3: Yeah, so no, no. I I think you keep playing Malik, and you try to get him to play through it because what we've seen is bursts where he looks like himself, Mm -hmm. and then it goes away. And To me, when it goes away, he misses one three-point shot, and you're like, I even saw him going up and down the court like, like, beating himself up, like, grabbing onto his head, like, infuriated that a ball, like, went halfway down and popped back out. Um, I thought it was interesting. Like, Mike said, hey, you guys are going to need to talk to Malik. First of all, Malik ain't talking to us. Like, we've asked for him a couple of times, and he's not talking to like, And I won't say that, because Malik Monk is in the locker room quite a bit in pregame, and he is accessible. So if I want to ask Malik what's happening he might actually sit there and have a conversation with me. He also might not go in the locker room for a couple of days because of that, because he doesn't want to talk about it right now. Um, but uh, I thought it was really interesting that uh, Mike, once again, I thought used the media a little bit to, to point, to say, hey, look, um, yeah, as long as he's doing the extra work and what he needs to do, as long as he's coming in and getting shots up when they aren't going in, and I was like, okay, wait, are you – are you like calling a guy out, or are you not calling a guy out? Because it kind of feels like you're saying that he just now came in last night and did extra work, and he was in here early this morning, but maybe he wasn't before that. And so, like, I don't know what Mike's like point is there, but he he also said you you guys probably need to go talk to Malik and see where he's at mentally, and you know, see what he thinks about this because you know, like, look, I'm gonna ride with the guy right now. I'm he's not gonna lose his job right now, but at some point. I have to make a business decision that's what's best for the team. And as long as he he's as long as he's doing the stuff to to get right, then I'm gonna ride with him. And like, okay, well what does that mean? So I, I just thought it was an interesting exchange and like this is on the hills, like I'll tell you, December seventh is I don't know if it's the date that Mike Brown like Put his shoe up on the on the media table and almost kicked the table off uh, the podium. Sixth man of the year. <laughs> talking about uh, Malik for sixth man of the year or what? Like, but it's almost coincides with it perfectly. Where you're like, did did they kind of did Malik kind of get too much pressure? Or did he like is that what we're seeing now? And mm. I I don't know. Like he's a guy that's so happy go lucky. You need him out there. You need his energy and everything else. Yeah. But. I think as we get further and further along, like, man, he's got to do something that he started getting the assist going again. He started getting, you know, sort of others involved when he's in a slump, he started getting to the rack a little bit more, but man, you can't shoot 25% from three for, for two months in a, he's shot that longer, you know, like we're what, 45 games into the season, mm-hmm. half of the season, he has shot 25% from the field. Hmm. And he's had two games, I think, where he scored 20 or more in that stretch, the 33-point game where he literally helped you beat the Denver Nuggets almost single-handedly, and then a 25-point outing where he was really good too. Take those out, what's he averaging? Like eight points a game? It's not good.
4: Yeah, well, I mean, the the job of Malik Monk, first and foremost, is to get a, get back into the groove, find a way to get back into the groove, and the other job is for mike brown to I will say this again I, maybe it's just my coaching style maybe not mike brown's maybe he is doing it we don't know but you you empower him you find a way to get him back to that spot and not say hey man you guys need to go talk to him or like if i'm hearing those things i don't i don't know if this is the case at all but if i'm i'm having the same thoughts as you are james when he's talking about yeah you know right now you know, his job's not in jeopardy. And if he, you know, does do, st- like, little little things thrown out there, it's like, come on, man, don't do that. Don't do that. That's mm-hmm. that's how I feel. Like, don't do that. Like, find a way to, to get that guy back on the right foot the right way. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's not the right mm-hmm. or
3: wrong. But I'm going to guess that, that Brown has already done all of that and that this is the stage three of his intervention. Again, like, I'll tell you, since that Denver game that we talked about, that was on December 28th, where he dropped 33. Mm-hmm. He's averaging 8.7 points on 32% from the field and 22.4% from three. That's that's tough. Like this team needs everyone firing on all cylinders, and I think that his struggles have been overlooked because in that time, the Kings are you know one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. They're, four, they're eight and four. So people are like, oh, man, this team is rolling. We don't. It doesn't really matter if Malik is firing on all cylinders. You're kind of overlooking it, but there's going to come a time where you need him. And you think if Malik Monk was hitting shots the other night that the Kings wouldn't have won? No, you would have won. I mean, you would have at least had a really good shot at it. But the fact that he goes three of ten and one of five from three, and the fact that he hadn't hit his previous three games, he was combined 0 for 9 from three. Like, you get, you got to shoot it, man, and you got to hit it. Like, we're we're
2: past the point. I feel like he offers a lot when he's out on the floor, too. I understand his scoring is important. He's a playmaker, and I do think he has to be guarded, honestly. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone mm-hmm. is sagging off of Malik like, oh, prove it. <laughs> I, I I think he's still guarded as if he's going to hit his next three shots, which has a certain value to the – other four guys on the floor Yes, like the knowing is half the battle yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) knowing
3: he's gonna be able to hit that shot sometime is like half the battle and so yeah and I'm not saying hey dump Malik Monk I'm saying like look it's our job when when players are doing great things to point out the great things which I like right around December 7th we wrote all kinds of positive pieces I went long form on Malik Monk about how he's fitting in how he's the the glue behind the scenes and all that stuff but it's also our job when a player isn't living up to expectations to be honest about it. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm not going to hide from – just because the Kings are 8-4 and four the last 12 games or whatever, 8-3, and three, you know, like, if a player is not living up to what he's supposed to be doing, we have to at least spotlight it. It can't just all be roses and, you know, purple lenses and – We like roses. And all that stuff. Yeah. Well, I do too. Yeah. Life gets roses all the time. I was going to say you probably have a rose garden. I don't know. I hate roses because they're an invasive species. Like, there are two things you never plant: rose bushes and
2: mint. Never plant mint. It's the. I love mint. Okay, I I understand this isn't the purpose of this show. I need further context. Mm -hmm. Why rose bushes? Yeah, well, both. Quite honestly. Okay, so what's why do you hate mint?
3: I love mint. I, I'm a mojito guy. I, I believe that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I love having fresh mint. And as long as it's in a pot, it's okay. The second you put it in the ground, you might as well like write off whatever it is that that whole entire area that you planted it, it will never go away and it will pop up again and again. And it's invasive. It strangles everything else out. It smells great. Hmm. Uh, but like if you have a small garden and you drop mint in, you now have a mint garden. Like oh it's it's over it's on yeah it's the same thing with it's like a bamboo plant yeah it, it's <laughs> like bamboo if you plant bamboo uh, like you can dump diesel fuel on it and light it on fire it'll be back the next year mm. like hey I'm back wow uh, roses nice. roses just take over they're ve- and you know they're spiky and they're spiky and they just keep going and going and you have to tame them all the time and like and Getting a rose that looks like anything you'll find at a store out of your own rose bush,
2: it just doesn't happen. Yeah. Anyway. It's Gardening with James Ham here. The Gardening yeah. Beat. Uh, head over to thegardeningbeat.com. Uh, we'll come back. All right. We've talked about uh, the past. We've talked about the weekend. Uh, we'll talk about tonight and uh, the difficult matchup that the Sacramento Kings have ahead of them with one of their most difficult opponents. Uh, It's the Memphis Grizzlies, one of the top teams in the league. 7.30 start tonight. We'll talk with James Hamm about that when we return here on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN 1320. Okay,
0: picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road.
4: Now, no. back to Delo and KC. Delo and KC. On ESPN 1320. D-Lo and KC. You're on this 49er Victory Monday. It is for me.
2: It's a 49ers Monday brought to you by Gilmore Heating Air and Plumbing. You get more with Gilmore. Yeah. Nice. Yeah.
4: Do we do we get do we get even more from Gilmore cuz they beat the Cowboys.
2: Okay. Well, okay. Well, th- <laughs> there you have it. It's a 49ers Monday brought to you by Gilmore Heating Air and Plumbing. You That's get dumb. even more. With Gilmore, because boy. the 49ers beat the. I was
4: so stressed, boy. That was not that was not enjoyable. That game was not enjoyable for me. I, I don't even know. You know what? I don't even know if I I shouldn't be watching sports if it's not going to be enjoyable.
2: That was tough to watch. I'm with you. <laughs> well, if like... you decide to do that, I I really hope you let me know. <laughs> if you decide the stress is too much, and,
4: and people were people were asking, it was very um, it was very civil, at at the at the house. You know, Kenny did not sleep on
2: my couch uh, last no, night. No, for those very that are civil. wondering,
4: uh, she she was talking to her aunt. I'm talking about uh, Jazzy Five One Zero, and she said, "Look, I can I can take a loss from the Cowboys. What I can't take is the Niners blowing the Cowboys out, and then Kenny myself walking around trash talking. That's when we're going to have a problem. So." None of that really happened. Well, the blowout
2: didn't happen, but there is plenty of trash talking going on. She's not really on social media. Oh, okay. She (laughs) probably enjoyed the fact that you were like stressed out and struggling. She
4: probably did. She's like, that, that, right. that was a win for her. They
2: may win, but that guy didn't enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> they may win the game, but in the end, I won the war. Yeah, we're doing dry January, and man, I really could have used a drink. That was oh, a tough- I didn't even think about it. Or like that. three. I probably yeah. should
4: have had a drink last night,
3: too.
2: Yeah. I didn't even think about it. Mm-hmm. Stressful Games brought to you by McQueen and the Violet Fog, the <laughs> smoothest gin in the world, handcrafted in Brazil. I made a, what is it called, hammer, an aviation, an aviator, the gin drink. But the the dope part about it is it's light purple. Oh. I made the drink and poured it, and I was like, oh. You I let see the beam. It. Yeah, so we we're changing the name of this to yeah, to light the beam. Yeah, yeah, I see
4: it. I see it. Has, 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 has a, also, Damian, I did see the beam for the first time. I did
2: see the beam. It oh. was it was glorious. Yeah, it okay. was it was it was everything my I, my heart imagined it was. We talk
4: about it all the time, but it really is such a stark contrast between a James. You probably see it if you get out to Doco between a winning Doco and a losing Doco. Like there is that beam it is has night
2: brought so much <laughs> happiness. It's just a purple Bundle beam of joy. that yeah. shoots to the sky, just brings an insane level of happiness to people.
3: I, I totally agree, and it's strangely photogenic.
2: Like you wouldn't expect it to really show up that well. On it's on a very the bright beam. Mm-hmm. Like it stands. It's like oh, that's not faint. No, like it, that's powerful.
4: And this probably sounds ridiculous um bear with me it's like in 4k and hd like it is a crisp purple beam like like you just mentioned it's not a faint light like no no, this thing is like you can see it
3: yeah that like when i was younger i I had a full dark room so i I don't like touching up photos at all like if you're gonna take a picture your picture should be good you you shouldn't like need six filters to (laughs) make your picture look good so I, I'm one of those guys and there are nights where I take a picture just with the iPhone and it's so incredibly stunning that like they go wild on social media, but I, I don't get how it's so photogenic because you're taking a picture at night mm-hmm. and it just, it's able to hold the color so
2: well. I, I'm not even sure. So yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. It's amazing. The yeah. beam is happiness.
4: Hopefully, we see it tonight. Yeah, I the hope beam so. Is
2: happiness, but this is this is just a, a brutal matchup uh, for Sacramento, James. What what is it about Memphis? Oh, that's Perfect. a nice picture. Perfect. That's a nice picture that James is showing. Yeah. Uh, YouTube and Twitch and Facebook Live. Sorry to the wonderful people listening on the radio and the Odyssey app. Sorry, uh, James to that has man. no love for you. But that's a no love picture. for you. That is a beautiful picture. My girl, Rachel, takes the best oh, pictures of the beams. She takes the absolute beams. best pictures. Um, why is Memphis such a brutal matchup for Sacramento?
3: Because they have the one player that Sabonis can't push around. Mm-hmm. And that means that everyone else. Sharp can't either. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, you know, I think they're like DC characters that can't push around, Aquaman too, <laughs> right. yeah um like he's just so incredibly huge and strong and like i i totally dig Steven Adams i remember when he came through for his pre-draft workout when he didn't have the long hair and he he almost it looked like he had a crew cut and you know he's coming out of pit and he's just this big guy with just the like thick thick uh uh new zealand accent and just a got super got kicked in the kiwis mate <laughs> yeah yeah
0: yeah, yeah. Wow. He's
3: just a he's a joy like to be around he's a good dude uh he's built like a, like a house mm-hmm. and so Sabonis can't push him around and actually he pushes Sabonis around on the on the boards so mm. i mean it's hard to imagine that Sabonis you know had what 14 rebounds last time they played and got
2: out rebounded by nine mm. and got killed on the offensive glass when yeah, he's the best defensive rebounder in the league Steven Adams had almost that many on the offensive end yeah,
3: yeah. That was a topic of discussion this morning. It's that the guards have been letting the bigs down the guards and the forwards, like they need to go in and and start grabbing some rebounds as well. They need Mm -hmm. to take that stress off. It can't just be about Sabonis, like grabbing every rebound. We saw Keegan Murray step up and have two double doubles there. Then he comes away with like a three rebound game. It's like, Hey man, it's gotta be every night and the same for the guards. The guards got to go in there and mix it up. And uh, Herder's not been known as a great rebounder throughout his career. Fox was a really, really strong rebounder in the first like uh, two months, three months of the season, but he's faded a little bit on the rebounding side as well. They need everybody to go in and, and grab rebounds against this team because this is a tough team. Mm-hmm. They're physical, and they know exactly what pieces that, they, that they're looking for, the personalities that they're looking for, and they attack the draft better than anyone that I've seen in a long time. The way that they've built that team is like some strange t- trades like the Vucevic for uh that's what it was, right? Uh yeah. no no it's uh
4: was, um, it's in New Orleans, uh
3: yeah, Valanchunas. Valanchunas. Valanchunas for, for Steven, Adams. Steven Adams deal, you're like, that doesn't make any sense. I think Valanchunas is a better player. No. Steven Adams is the right player for that for that team. Hmm. But again, uh Brandon Clark. Just oh, a great fit. Yeah. I mean, to to get uh Desmond Bain in the second round. Yeah. Uh Ty is it Tyus, Tyus Jones, Jones that they yeah. have there? Yeah, he's he's one of the, the most efficient point guards in the league. He does not turn the ball over at all. Mm-hmm. He's like Corey Joseph on steroids. Like <laughs> they don't turn he does not turn the ball over. Yeah. So they're so incredibly efficient. And then I you know, again, I think Dylan Brooks is sort of the player that they modeled who they were gonna go get everyone else. Mm-hmm. He's just so tough. And he he's mean, and those are the guys that they go out and get. They find all these guys that play with a with an edge, who aren't bad dudes, who aren't causing problems all over the place, or you know getting themselves in trouble or out of control. They're just really tough from top to bottom. And and if you're gonna beat them, you got to beat them. You got to play 48 minutes. You got to beat them. Yeah.
4: Hey, uh, real quick, Damian. I don't know if you uh, saw this over the weekend, but after the situation with Shannon Sharp, Dylan Brooks. That's when he said all that stuff. Did you see the video of him saying it, or did you just Mm -hmm. read the quotes? No, I saw it. (laughs) Did you see the tweet where the guy said he looks like Shawn Michaels in 1987?
2: (laughs) He had, he did look ridiculous. Yeah, like a tank top on, tucked in. Yeah, a not black, good.
3: A black uh, the, the yeah. on. yeah, <laughs> not good, not
2: good. That was hilarious.
4: That was funny. But
2: my man bro- got a tank top on. Shannon Sharp brought in a three thousand dollar collar cardigan, and you're calling him pedestrian, sir? No, absolutely <laughs> like, not.
4: Ninety seven, Michael. My-
2: He's getting ready for a street fight against Triple H. I almost oh, got you guys, man. like, I got
3: hit with an ad, and it was for, uh, I think it was for Target, and they had a bunch of, like, old-school WWE action figures that were you on You should have
2: bought them all. Yeah. yeah,
3: they were, like, 11 bucks, and I think one of them was Shawn Michaels, that's why. Oh, oh, man. Yeah. What could have been. Damn. What could have been. Oh, man. I may but, have uh, action figures. Th- th- let, me
4: ask you, uh, <laughs> let me ask you this, James, and... I mean, I don't know if I really got your take on it either. Maybe you can answer too. Are you annoyed by the Grizzlies? Because <laughs> they seem to be like top five most annoying teams
3: in the NBA right now. They get under your skin. You know what bugs me about them is the the acting. Like they're like certain guys. Like I can deal with it. You know, I don't like that Luca is literally on the official the entire game. But at the same time, when I see him get fouled, he usually gets fouled hard, you know. But Jaw with the the head bobs and the like, he gets these foul calls because his hair's long and he's shaking it all over the place. <laughs> I always thought, like when you're watching a boxing match and you see a guy with with dreads or with long hair, I always thought that that was such a disadvantage in boxing because it just showed everybody when you took a punch. Mm. Like I watched, oh look, he got hit. But with when it comes to jaw, like, he just does it all the time. It's like he's just flopping all the time. And, you know, there's a couple of guys in the league that when they flop, uh, Alperin, Shangun. my goodness, man. Like, I don't think I've seen a dude flop like that. I mean, he was like Vlade, like, <laughs> plus. Uh, wow. So those things kind of, like, wear on me because it's like just play the game straight up. You know, like if you can beat the guy against you one on one, go ahead and beat him. If he fouls you, he fouls you. That happens all the time, but make it so it's fair. It's, you know, the one good thing is like Tony Brothers was here a couple of days ago. He won't be at this game. So I I don't think he'll be at this game. So I think, oh, shoot. You know, like, so I think
2: that's a a bonus for the Kings because that's never great. Uh, Sabonis had his 22nd straight double double. Uh, on Saturday, this I believe the first one with just points uh, and assist. The second, uh, oh, it's the second one. Mm. Yeah, because he missed a triple double once before with nine rebounds. Oh, mm. okay. So, 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 so he's got two. That's two more. I went back and checked Kevin Love's. Kevin Love's fifty three uh, did not have any points and assist. Um, and I, I'm, I'm going to do some work and find out if Elgin Baylor's fifty five. Uh, had points and assists because Algin Baylor more than capable of having uh, double digit assists. I don't feel like we're at the place where this streak is special to anybody but us. <laughs> when do you if if he do you think this streak gains some steam if he gets to like forty or something like nationally? Maybe, yeah. I, I mean, I would think so. I mean, he leads the league in double doubles overall. I think the 30 is what was Dwight Dwight was 33 I think that was that's the most recent yeah stretch I mean Kevin Love it feels like it was years ago but I mean he's Kevin still, Love I, I he's said still the in the day. league 2011 <laughs> it was the 2011 okay, it so ended in Sacramento
3: Oh okay
2: a fun fact I guess That's yeah he probably because they were up by 40 he, and No they, they actually lost sit. by 20 they actually lost by oh. like 31 in that game
3: Remember, the Timberwolves ain't oh, no good. Oh, they weren't any good. That's right. He made the all-star team when they weren't good. Yeah. He's Timberwolves one of the rare
2: sunk. exceptions. He played 14 minutes that game. Like uh, he had like three rebounds or something. Against Cousins?
3: Jason Thompson. Just, Derek J- Williams. JT got him. We're, JT got him. The, the, that
4: two-man <laughs> uh, wall that is uh, Jason Thompson and Derek Williams. Huh. Can't could, believe
3: that team didn't make it. Couldn't do anything
2: against them. Can't believe they didn't make it. I am gonna find the box for it. I, d- yeah. I did. I did
4: think it was it was about to be Showtime when Derek Williams got here, though. Remember how he first came was that in Arizona? At the yeah, he Where's was in Arizona. I didn't like him at, at Arizona. Um, I actually knew his brother. I was like really good with his brother, and his brother was like, "Yo, my my brother's about to go number one." I was like, "Man, he I don't know about all that," but I didn't like. People were going crazy over him. I didn't think he was gonna be that good in the NBA. But when he got to the Kings, and I think Isaiah Thomas was here at the same time, I was like, "Yo." It's gonna be Showtime
3: and it was not. It was not. What was Derek Williams issue? <sighs> Derek Williams had so much talent. he just didn't have the want to be great. like there there are a lot of guys that get in the league and they they dig the NBA lifestyle, mm-hmm. but they're not ready for what it takes to be great physically and, and like mentally. Like I was super athlete, very, very nice guy. Mm. Like he was fun to have in the locker room, but it's really hard to like when you're, when your teammate can go for 31 night and three the next, mm. and you just look over at him like, what just happened? You know, or like George Carl compared him to the Coke machine. That's mm. Derek Williams. You know, he literally looked at the box score and goes, man, even a Coke machine could have more than one rebound in 30 minutes. Uncalled for. And the only one that played 30 minutes and had one rebound was Derrick Williams. Yeah, it's one of those things where some guys just don't have that. Like they're they're tall guys that play basketball, not basketball players who happen to be tall. Mm -hmm. So you know he got there because of his gifts, but then he didn't want to do what it took to be that next level. Yeah, Yeah.
4: he's actually. uh, I follow him on Instagram. He's like playing and. I don't know, somewhere in Spain. Doing a really good job. Good job for Derek Williams.
3: I'm currently looking at uh, Legends, WWE Legends. <laughs> okay, <laughs> AJ Styles? I don't know AJ Styles. Oh, yeah. The Ultimate Warrior, he sold out. Like, the they sold out of his action figure. But mm. uh, they do have Shawn Michaels still available. What's Shawn Michaels wearing in this action figure? There's... Um, you have, I think you have choices. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. it has got outfits. <laughs> yeah, you, it looks like what could be a sleeveless vest. Yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, he...
2: Oh, yeah.
4: Oh, yeah, this is looking like... Oh, this is... Um, oh, yeah,
2: Kenny's is, all over this. This
4: is Shawn Michaels when he first turned to Heartbreak Kid.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, We're like sensational the Sherry Shawn Michaels. I like Zebra
3: it. pants. Well, uh,
2: they also have um, Ken
3: Shamrock.
4: I'm
2: I'm just saying. Since James can't leave the WWE action figure thing alone, (laughs) I couldn't leave this box score alone. I had to pull it up. I I had to know. Demarcus Cousins Cousins that night, Uh, one of two. Oh my gosh! In 20 minutes. Oh, so it was. I tried to figure out if he got. It doesn't look like he got thrown out of this game. (laughs) Wait, you said 2011? 2011. This isn't the Derrick Williams revenge game, right? No Derrick Williams here. We've oh. got 23 points from Marcus Thornton. Oh, yeah little buckets. We've got 19 from Benno. Oh, Benno. Ooh. He had some moments. Samuel Dallenberg. 26 oh. points. Oh, he was Samuel Dallenberg. You know. He was going to work. He, Double I, digits I, I, from Eugene Jeter and Dante Green as well. Hey, yo,
3: shout out to my man Pooh Jeter. He you know, had uh, a shoe store down in L.A. D'Alembert had such a rap coming to Sacramento. I loved covering Samuel D'Alembert. Mm. He was the nicest guy. And, again, he had uh, he's from Haiti. Uh, but, you know, Haiti was, I believe, a French uh, colony for a while. Mm-hmm. So a lot of Haitians speak French. He had, like, deep accent. And then he talked with his hands and his arms. So he was always like all around you the whole time. It was like, holy cow, uh, because he was a tremendously large human being. And they had Whiteside and they had uh, DeMarcus Cousins at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like they had a bunch of big dudes. I think the 2011 Darnell Jackson was on
2: that team as well. Mm. I'm fascinated by this basketball game. Not sure what happened with Cousins that game. I'm not sure what happened with Cousins or Kevin Love because it was a five-nine. It was a ten-point game going into the fourth quarter, and then the Sacramento Kings outscored them forty-two to twenty. Mm. So it wasn't a blowout until the fourth quarter. So that doesn't explain why. I mean, I guess DeMarcus may have sat at the third and never went back in. Did he get tossed? I, it doesn't. It doesn't look like he got thrown out. It doesn't look like Kevin Love got thrown out. They didn't. They, it's not listed anywhere here. Um,
4: hmm. People just really didn't care
2: about that game. You know who was inactive <laughs> in that game? Hassan Whiteside. Oh, <laughs> oh, he got hurt. <laughs> Hassan Whiteside was inactive for this game in 2011. Is it the end of the 2010-11 season? Yeah, it's yeah. the end of the 2010. Okay, yep. so. Whiteside got hurt. Kings were seventeen and fifty one. The Minnesota Timberwolves were seventeen and fifty four. Oh my god! Okay, uh,
3: Whiteside was a second round pick. I think it was a next. It was a next off season. He came in, he gained forty five pounds, and looked like he could go out in the parking lot and lift cars. No. Mm. Um, oh. and then the first day at camp, trashed his knee because he had gained so much weight. Yeah. Uh, but not before he showed off his uh, his one move that he'd worked on all summer. And as soon as he started showing everybody the one move that he'd worked on all summer, they're like, hey, bro, that's a travel. <laughs> and he's like, no, it's not. They're like, hey, look what that doing. Is that a travel or no? It's like, come on, man, that's a travel. Like all of them were like bro you that's the one move you worked on and it's a travel <laughs> it's like yeah like that's a travel that's a, that's a travel
4: you know I was, I was hearing those records and yeah. seeing everything that's going on yeah i was about to say i used to pray for times like this oh but no 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 yep. not this week can't do it this uh,
2: week. Uh. imagine being so wrapped up in this football game you can't listen to dreams and nightmares Man, this week. sports. No, is a, sir. Sports is a cold world. This is amazing. This. What did we say this game was? Like March, they have seventeen wins, and here we are on January twenty third, and they have twenty six. Hmm. Wow, that's my first year covering the team.
4: Really?
2: So that's DeMarcus' rookie year, because yeah. your first year was Demarcus.
3: A, a year later, uh, seven of the players on that roster were no longer in the league.
2: Yeah, that adds up. Given what we just looked at, Luther <laughs> Head,
3: <laughs> that, Luther. That Darnell Jackson, up. yeah. Uh, Dante Green was out of the league a year mm. later. Oh, uh, Pooh, um, yeah, mm-hmm. Antoine Wright. That that team had. Uh, oh, shouldn't that it? team have Tyreek Evans on there?
2: Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, what did he do? I, did I, he play? I closed it out. Oh.
3: Yeah, he was good. Uh oh, that night no, he was out.
2: Yeah, he didn't play that night. Mm.
3: Uh oh yeah, Jermaine Taylor, he's out of the league.
2: Jermaine Taylor.
3: Yeah. Jermaine Taylor had a lot oh, of gold. A lot Jermaine of gold. Or. Marcus Thornton, um, like people Jermaine who watch Marcus Thornton, he played defense like a toddler running down a hill. Like, oh you know how toddlers run with their hands way back behind and they're about to fall and hit like. their face the whole time? That's how, that is exactly how Marcus
2: Thornton played defense. Oh, man. And
3: someone brought up uh, John Salmons. John Salmons wasn't on that team. It wasn't until the next season when they traded Baino and the number seven pick, which was Bismack Biambu for uh, John Salmons and the number 10 pick, which became uh, the one and only Jimmer for Debt. Nailed that mm-hmm. one. Right before the lockout.
4: Our guy <sighs> Raj Singh says love left in the second quarter with a groin injury.
2: I greatly appreciate you looking that up cuz it wow. was absolutely going to bother me. I just this game did not make any sense <laughs> to me. I, I appreciate the research staff in the chatty house uh going to work. Uh my baby's at the arena tonight. Yeah. Oh. good stuff. Oh. Good stuff. 7:30 start uh for the Kings and the Grizzlies. Everybody bring your sleeping bags. 7:30 start. <laughs> <laughs> Not funny, man. It's not funny at all. Uh, It's not funny at all. But if you're listening on ESPN 1320, if you're listening on 98.5 FM, Karek's QHD2, or if you're listening on the Odyssey app and you missed any part of today's show, don't go anywhere. We're going to run it back for you. Will Z, James Hamm, Kenny Danson, we're running it back. Next on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN
1: 1320. Go Kings. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.